Hello, welcome to Fempreneur True Confessions Podcast. Welcome everyone and welcome. Hi, I'm Laura and I'm ODAA Virtual Assistant Agency and I am Oda. Um, so nice to meet you all. And as a business, we are here um, to help small businesses, women in business to um, work behind the scenes in your business, take off all the hats, delegate them out, give them to someone who can get those things handled for you and allow you to focus on your superpower in your business um, and really feel confident so that you can grow, you can succeed, and we can be your cheerleaders behind the scenes while helping with your clients and your business as well. Awesome. And I'm Angelique with Lady Powerhouse Solutions. And uh, Lady Power Solutions is a heart-centered approach to offering product and event management to women entrepreneurs on fire and lighten up the world with their passion and their drive to achieve whatever mission they have, right? Whatever their calling is, fulfilling that calling and uh, doing that in the most authentic and um, real way that we can. Laura and I do a lot of the the same things. I also have a small team that supports me and my clients. And um, normally, we, in the quote unquote business world, you'd think we would be competitors. And, you know, in essence, we are, yes, we're, we're providing very similar services. But that's what, what Fempreneur True Confessions is about is um, getting rid of this scarcity mindset and modeling a uh, abundance mindset so that people can see that what it looks like when women support other women and are and, and it's a good thing right because laura and i are on the same page we know there's enough out there for all of us there's enough out there for everybody and um and we support each other with that. And it's been really great. I mean, like yeah. we've referred clients to each other. We, we've referred clients to other power partners together. And um, it's just really working well. And um, we really love doing it. And we love doing this podcast. Yes, it's been a lot of fun. Getting to know everybody has been super exciting. Um, and the amazing guests and speakers we've had, they just get better and better and better. And you will meet our guest here for today here shortly. Um, so it just it just continues to grow and feel amazing. Um, and it's why we're here, you know, um, together, Fempreneur True Confessions podcast um, started as a mission to empower women in business and life to live authentically, um, to support each other um, instead of competing with each other, as Angelique said, to not worry about, do I have enough? Um, what I need that client. Why would I give it away? Mm -hmm. Our abundance mindset lets us know and reminds us daily that there's enough for everyone and we're going to share it. We're going to share the wealth. We're going to share the ability that, um, that we have, the skills that we have, and collaborate together. I mean, we were just on a meeting earlier to do the same thing. So as we talk about those things, seeing each other in that way and being able to model that authenticity through not only our business, but our personal lives, um, our relationships, our family life, that is how we empower each other and other women to do the same. Find your business bestie or your bestie and and do just do the damn thing on this. Like get it going and be who you are and don't worry yeah. about 
who's got more, who's got what. There's no envy. There's no anything. We are here to love on each other in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. And support each other. And, and so that was one of the, the driving uh, reasons for starting the podcast was in doing research, trying to figure out, are we alone in this? And we're not. 50% of women entrepreneurs don't feel supported. They don't feel like they have um, the mentors out there to go to, to ask questions. Um, and yeah, everybody can hire a coach, um, but not everybody can afford that. Right. When, especially when you're first starting your business out. So here we want to, we have want to have, that's why part of the reason we do it live is we want to show what really happens. What really happens when we're having these conversations? What do we really talk about? What really comes up? And to normalize what it looks like, to normalize, yeah, these were our challenges and these are the lessons we learned and sharing that information um, so that we can lift other women up um, and normalize what it looks like when women succeed at supporting each other up, supporting each other, building each other's confidence up, using our gifts and our passions to fulfill our lives calling, but also to support other women to do the same. And so we are all about building, maintaining, and growing the sisterhood that believes in an abundance mindset. Yes, but also in sharing the challenges and what we learn from those and helping those, helping other women um, by sharing those lessons and helping each other rise to our highest potential, much like our guest today. Yes. So now I have the great pleasure of introducing Whitney. Um, Whitney Wiley, um, after spending years in companies with crummy cultures and lousy leadership, who doesn't understand that, um, Whitney has dedicated herself to helping organizations and individuals adopt and implement strategies that create workplaces and cultures people love to work in. As an as an in-demand coach, speaker, and trainer, Whitney shares wisdom from her own life experiences and those of her clients and um, her clients and others with grace, humility, and humor to drive change in today's business world. Her clients include aspiring, emerging, and new executives, entrepreneurs aiming to be the kind of leaders um, even they want to work for an organization, organization seeking to hire, <laughs> retain, develop, and promote the best talent. Whitney is a 10-time best-selling author. Wow, I'm excited. And is anticipating publishing three books, three more books, including The Joy of Work and her first, um, and her first solo efforts, Wis Wisdom Whispers and The Simple Leader. Sorry. As the host of Love Your Work, she interviews guests about the work they love, their journey, and lessons learned along the way. She educates viewers about finding and doing their work, the work they love, and loving the work they do. She's sorry. <laughs> she also co-hosts The State of Leadership, Simple and Beyond, Life, Lemons, and Lemon Drops, and Beyond Your Plan podcasts. When she is not writing, speaking, or helping clients pursue their dreams, you can find Whitney running, cycling, improving her photography skills, playing golf, wine tasting with friends, or trying to convince her husband to move to Hawaii. Oh, husband, go to Hawaii. There we go. 
You know, it may sound kind of like a goofy question. Who doesn't want to move to Hawaii? But why Hawaii? Um, I, there's just something about being there that just makes me feel like connected to mm-hmm. the earth, connected yeah. to life. And um, we've been, my husband and I have been, I think, four times together. It was there one time before he and I went. And it just, it feels like home. It just mm-hmm. feels like home. So. <coughs> And then he's awesome. finally on board. So <laughs> now we just have to make it happen. Just have so to have you ever been happen. to Maui? I have not been to Maui. I've oh. been to uh, Oahu and the Big Island. So I um, Maui was my on my bucket list, and uh, so for my second uh, husband's my second marriage, our honeymoon, we went to Maui, oh, nice. and I got to bike down. And you don't really pedal, you just kind of coast. But I got to bike down um, Haleakala, which is a dormant volcano. Okay. And um, one of my most favorite memories of all time was coasting through these rainbow eucalyptus groves of trees. And just the smell. And just like you said, you just feel so connected to the earth there. Um, How did you get back up? I really think it's the culture. (laughs) You get the coast down. How do you get back up? So they take you up. They take you up okay. first thing in the morning and you're above the clouds and it's cold. And then you gear up and then you basically okay. coast okay. down. And when you get down to the bottom, they have a picnic lunch at the winery spread out oh, for you. Nice. And yeah, it's it's really lovely. And part of the route goes by um, uh, Oprah's house, her property. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. I'm going to have to put that on my bucket. Right. Yeah. And the, the owners had a really cool story. He was military and had bought the property very when he was very young because he just he fell in love when he was stationed there. And um, so he, when he retired, he went back there. But this was many moons ago, several decades. And um, now he says he can't afford to live there. If he did not I own bet. his home, yeah. um, he couldn't afford to, to live there. So. No, it's it's changed a bit since the first time we went. And if I if we had bought the property yeah. said, right, we, right. We'd, we'd have it. Um, but I have a very specific piece of property in mind, address, it's on my vision board and everything. Very cool. One day. Yes. That's right. That's right. Very cool. We were awesome. just talking about manifest that shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw I was out with my sisters um, checking out this new thing called Crate uh, near where we live. And they have taken um, the uh, shipping containers and converted them to little shops mm. and set them out and organized. It, it's, it's adorable the way they've set it up. Um, and one of the little stores was called All Good Things. And I got some really cool pins there. This one says no worries. Anyway, they also had a, a glass there and then and it said on the front of it manifest that shit um and i was just like i need that glass um but it was uh it was like 25 dollars, and i'm like i'm not spending 25 dollars on a glass because mostly i don't need another glass well uh, i don't think manifest that shit is copywritten so put it put it it's on the not, itself. it's not um i found a ton more of options on uh 
<laughs> yeah, I just found a ton more on, on Etsy too. So anyway, uh, we uh, will probably add add something in our shop pretty soon that says that because I absolutely love it along with a lot of thing, other things like uh, they said I couldn't, so I did. Um, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I love it. Um, that's love what we were talking about when you popped in. So, uh, well, let's get into it. Uh, you, where did, where did you see you had struggles when it came to creating, uh, your life and your career vision? Um, where did you, where did, where did you have challenges with that? Because where I'm going with this is I think there's a lot of us out here who have the same challenges. <laughs> so that's the first question. First part of the question. The second part of the question is, um, what did it teach you about exploring um, your your aspirations, the values, the, yeah. the, all the things for setting those goals? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I remember when I was growing up being pretty clear about what I wanted to do. And I, I wanted to be a lawyer. And initially that's like the, you know, other than like a movie star or a model or something like that, like the first real tangible um, career goal that I had, it was to be a lawyer. And I had a cousin who wanted to be a lawyer. And so it's like, well, if she's going to be a lawyer, then I can't be a lawyer. I don't know why I thought that, but that was that was my child brain. I was like, well, if my cousin's going to be a lawyer. I can't be a lawyer. So I'll be a doctor. And that was sort of the trajectory that I was on for a while. And then I met organic chemistry and we were not friends. And I struggled mightily with organic chemistry. And um, at the time I was studying mathematics and I, and I won't go through all of it, but it was like the securitist route. And ultimately I ended up at UC Berkeley studying applied mathematics. And my, and my thought was still that I would go on to, to medical school and it didn't happen. I struggled at Berkeley and uh, to this day still haven't graduated, didn't finish. I'm one course short, um, a course in ring theory, if I remember correctly, uh, that stands between me and my degree from UC Berkeley. And so I did what people I imagine do who get kicked out of college and sort of floundered around for a little bit and did some work as, you know, waiting tables and uh, as a receptionist and, you know, whatever I could do. Uh, and at some point it was, you know, I'm thinking you're underemployed or unemployed. Uh, at that point, I had gone through a divorce. I had a kid mm. and I was like, you really need to get your act together. Um, but I didn't quite know what getting my act together was going to look like. And so I just started dreaming. And for me and my clients, that's where I think it starts. You, you know, when we're kids, we're encouraged to dream, we're allowed to dream. And then somewhere along the way, people start asking questions. I don't think they intended this way, but it's sort of the way it works out is we start getting pigeonholed, 
right? Mm -hmm. And we're now moving towards something when we're not old enough, mature enough, haven't experienced life enough really to make those decisions, right? But we're making those decisions and we're being encouraged. I'll put it that way because it's in love, right? Our parents and others at school, it's, it's meant to help us, yeah. but it really starts to take sort of the, the wonder and excitement of dreaming out and we're encouraged to get practical, right? Mm -hmm. You need to be practical. You need to be realistic about what you're going to do. Oh, you need to be realistic. (laughs) Right. What that that career is going to be. And so you know, we stop dreaming somewhere along the way. We just stop dreaming. And so at, at that point I'm, you know, divorced, a single mom, and it's like, you need to get it together. And so I was create, you know, gave myself permission and I found myself thinking about what had, had I done up until that point that I really enjoyed doing. And what I had enjoyed, and probably the very first job I had was tutoring. I didn't want to be a teacher, but what I enjoyed about tutoring was helping people reach their goals, helping people learn. And it, it that just resonated with me for some reason. And so I started creating these programs. Um, I m- met some motivational speakers at the time. And it wasn't my thought that I would be a motivational speaker, but I wanted to do something that helped people achieve their goals. And this was long enough ago that coaching wasn't really a thing. Um, Tony Robbins was out there, but it, it wasn't coaching the way we know coaching today. But I, I, I created a card and I called myself a personal development consultant. And so that was sort of the initial spark that set me on a path. It didn't work out. And so I was like, well, you need a job. So I went and got a job um, at, a, at a teaching at a high school um, or running a program more so at a high school and I was bringing community resources into the school, um, tutors, I was bringing job fairs, career fairs, um, uh, college, you know, bringing college recruiters in. And the goal of the program that I worked for was simply to help the students have a plan for after high school. So you can sort of hear the irony in this, right? Yes, I was just gonna say that. (laughs) I'm helping people put together these plans for post high school and I really didn't have a plan for my own life. Mm -hmm. And it was not until I was sitting in my office and a colleague came in who said that he was thinking about going to law school. And I said, you know, when I was a kid, I had wanted to be a lawyer. And, you know, I shared the story about my cousin. I said, but it's not going to happen for me. I don't have a degree. I didn't finish college. And he says, well, in California, you don't need a college degree to go to law school. And I was like, what? (laughs) 
I was like, what? And he's like, no, you don't need, if you can find a school that- Is will, that where you were? You were in California? I'm in California. And so uh, if you can find a school that will accept you, it's not a requirement. There are, you know, without getting into a bunch of, yeah. you know, legal mumbo jumbo, there are different levels of law schools and law school accreditation. California has one called- it's bar accredited. And so I applied to law school, got accepted, um, did my four years there, did exceptionally well, loved, 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 loved law school, and then left there um, and went to become a, a lawyer and a lobbyist. And what's really interesting is, again, sort of not exactly what I had in mind. I was thinking of being an education lobbyist. I didn't get a job in education. I got a job in water and just sort of rode that career. So I was, I was in that arena for about 18 years um, as a, as a water lobbyist and lawyer. And um, it had its good parts and its bad parts. Right. Yeah. But what happened was I started not being happy in that job. And what I attributed to ladies is that I, I wasn't connected. There, there wasn't a why there for me. Okay. And that was, that was, uh, that was what I was going to ask you is like, where did this desire to be an attorney or a doctor come from? You know, at, when I was a kid, I, I don't know where the, I know where the, the doctor part came from the lawyer. I'm never quite sure. I can't trace that back, but the doctor wanted to be a pediatrician, love kids. And mm. I thought it would be awesome to be uh, a pediatrician. And again, it was about helping people. Um, the, the lawyer one, I don't know so much, <laughs> but when I went to law school, my thought wasn't that I was going to be a lawyer. Initially, I wasn't planning to sit for the bar. I wasn't planning to practice. I wanted to be a lobbyist. And what I knew about lobbying, um, really could fill a matchbook, which was absolutely nothing. <laughs> but what I knew is that most lobbyists and people involved in politics at that time were lawyers. So if I was a lawyer, then that would give me entree to gotcha. that particular field. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 It's funny because everything points back to kids and that teaching. And so that's where, you know, you would assume like maybe that was the one path we thought maybe not, maybe was. But the lobbying is interesting. I, I you know, um, we hear a lot about it and people want to lobby and they want to make a difference and don't know where to start. Um, and that's, it's interesting for, you know, for someone to have like literally been in it and to say, no, this is what I want to do. Whether it was, though it wasn't exactly the part that you wanted, getting that in that skill and seeing the ins and outs of that because lobbying is not it's not fun. It's, it's not the funnest thing in the world. It can be very well, it difficult. can be for yes. someone who's really passionate about doing that type of work, yeah. right? And yeah. Um, no, I know lobbyists who really enjoy the work. I what yeah. I didn't enjoy politics um, mm -hmm. as much. I the the aspect of lobbying that I enjoyed was the education part, mm -hmm. right? Which was you know. Um, 
and, and helping people understand the issues. That's the part that I enjoy. The political part and trying to convince people to actually vote a particular way, counting votes, all of that, that, that didn't really resonate with me. But I, I think going back to your point, Laura, is the, the education uh, and helping people reach their goals, that, that resonates with me. And that has been a consistent theme, I think, since the time I was three, uh, when I became a big sister and started, te- you know, teaching my little sister things. And so it, that's been a consistent part of who I've been, how it you know, manifests, you know, how that shows up. It, what I've allowed it to do is to show up in different ways. I knew I did not want to be in a classroom, in a traditional classroom. And so ultimately what I've done is sort of create create a career, create work that I get to decide how, how I show up, right? And so when you were talking, reading through my, my bio, right, training, coaching, um, consulting. It, that's how it shows up for me. And I can help my clients to do what they want to do the way they want to do it. And that's what I've chosen to do with my work is to um, think about the values, the priorities that I have in my life outside of work and how to make work fit within that. And yeah. so I, I think the biggest struggle that I've had throughout my career is being clear about what I wanted to do and giving myself permission to do it my way rather yeah. than the way that yes. sort of society says that it needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Here's your box. Get in it. Exactly. And exactly. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad you say that because I think there are a lot of women that have a really similar path as you and that's okay. I did too. So I went to college and I got into my senior year and didn't graduate. Um, and I went to school for years because I started out, um, I didn't, I didn't get to go to college till after I had my daughters. Um, and there's a whole nother story there. And then initially I wanted to be a CPA. I loved math, loved it. Numbers don't lie. It's fantastic but they kept changing the requirements. So then I was like, heck with it, give me a business degree. And then I went back um, and I was going to get my degree in psychology. And, um, and then, you know, and then that, then I got disillusioned at the end as, as well. And that same exact thing happened, uh, not exactly, but a really similar situation happened to my oldest daughter. She got into her last year of her education degree and it was 2008. We all know what happened in 2008. Her husband lost his job. And they weren't able to to manage and she had to drop out and she was already student teaching. And her her dream was to go uh, open a, a daycare center and and teach in the preschool and teach and provide the kind of care that she wanted to give. Um, the really neat thing was, though, that she had enough education and experience that she was able to get a job in a, a federal daycare system. And she found she hated it because it wasn't about the kids. Mm-hmm. And um, even a private institution, you're still governed, especially if you're going to teach. And so she found out eh, that wasn't really going to work. 
Um, she's still in education, but she's in a different, you know, she's in a totally different, but she's still able to use her education yeah. to provide education. Mm -hmm. Um, but in a, a totally different area. But I think that that is a really similar path for a lot of women, because just what you said, we aren't told that it's okay to do what we want. Mm -hmm. And so we don't give ourselves permission to do right. that. And right. I think a lot of people, you know, they all want to be doctors and lawyers and, and because that's what, that's the prestige. There's prestige. Exactly. In those jobs. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so we know if we can make it in that position, we can do anything we want. Mm -hmm. And as, and I don't know about anybody else, but I'm kind of a go-getter. So I'm going to go for the best thing that I can. That way I know I can do anything else. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because I was an only child and my mom was a single mom a lot, you know, part of my bring upbringing and that was instilled in me. Uh, I still, to this day, remember the song, anything you can do, I can do better. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. was a story that I still say to myself that I still tell myself mm -hmm. and I don't need, but I don't need to tell that story. And so um, I think those are the things that like you were saying, the, this, this really similar struggles of creating this, this life and this career um, and exploring our aspirations, our values and, 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 what does that look like? We don't know a lot of the time. Absolutely. So you've been able to take your experience and kind of, you know, usher people through it. Um, so one of the things you mentioned was uh, self, you know, recognizing self-limiting beliefs yeah. um, and creating a growth, growth mindset. So what was your, what was your, your journey like in, in learning to do that for yourself? Because we know as before we can do it for someone else, we have to yeah. kind of master it ourselves. Yeah. You know, I, I think when I, when I was going through the divorce it was about the same time that I'd gotten kicked out of school and, and, you know, just sort of couldn't figure out where I was going next. Right. Um, you mentioned values, um, priorities, my son, was that like, if, if I had a why, um, it was tied to my son. And I wanted to show him that getting knocked down wasn't the end of life, right? That you get knocked down, things don't turn out the way that you want. Life's not fair, right? All of those yeah. things, and you can still get up and keep moving. Yeah. And so um, I started thinking about, again, where, where do I go next? So I, at that time, I go to law school, I get through law school, I get a job and it, things are going well. Right. There is it's, it's particularly financially. There is good as they've ever been uh, making really good money. And in the beginning, I did. I enjoyed my job. Um, but life has a way of showing up and there were other aspects of my life that weren't going so great. And so when I started looking at what was happening, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy, right? I had a good job and was making money, um, had a home, bought a house and all of that. Um, but I wasn't happy. 
And I remember a day sitting in my car and thinking, if you continue like this, you're going to look back someday and never have been happy as an adult. And I was like, that is not the outcome that I want. It's not the outcome. It's not the example that I wanted to show for my son. And I made a decision in that moment that I was just going to be happy. And I was going to start looking for and doing those things that would make me happy. Um, and so I I did. I just started little, little things, right? It wasn't anything huge. And then maybe a year or two after that, um, my son was in a car accident and he passed away from injuries um, so from the accident. And I had another sort of epiphany, right? Which was life is short. You have to do the things that you, now it's like an imperative, right? Before <laughs> it's sort of out there now, it's like, it's, this is an imperative because you never know what's going to happen. What you never know what's around the corner. Uh, mm -hmm. And my son was 17 when he, when he passed away. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, where do I go now? And I'm every day asking, what is it that I want to do? What's your purpose? What are your values? What are your priorities? And how do you fit the other stuff around what really matters? Yes, having a job, whether it's as you know, prestigious job, doctor, lawyer, whatever, right. um, working at a grocery store or retail, whatever it is, right? Our society is built around the need for money. And so I'm not discounting that at all. But who wants to spend their whole life just in pursuit of that and not ever enjoying, um, feeling like they've made a difference, right? And so I started playing around with the values, my vision for my life, the values, where where I wanted to live, how I wanted to to do the things that were um, that were out there. And I started tapping into what I knew I was good at. And so as it relates to the limiting beliefs, because I kept bumping up against obstacles, right? And we mm -hmm. all have obstacles. And what I've learned is that in order to sort of move through the limiting beliefs, that it takes a willingness to look at what, what you do well, what you have done well, I call them uh, the objective evidences of your life, right? Mm -hmm. The things that you've done well and to to identify why you have the beliefs that you that you have. And when I started looking at, and you said this, the stories that we tell, right? The, the stories that we tell come from somewhere. And if you are willing to do the work and go back and identify where those stories come from, you can start to unpeel the, the onion. Yeah or artichoke or whatever <laughs> resonates with you, right? You can start unpeeling that 
so that you can get to the core of where that comes from, so that you can address it with the truth. And until you know where those beliefs come from, you can't attack them with the truth. And you attack it with the truth. You show the objective evidences. And I'm reminding myself every single day of the things that I have done that have been difficult, mm-hmm. the, you know, the resilience, the, the stick-to-itiveness, the willingness to pivot, to change, to shift, all of that. And I, I'm still here. So right? what was and, one of your limiting beliefs that, that you, you worked through to, and then what was the, the mindset, the growth mindset you created on the other side? So here's a real simple one. Um, I had always considered myself logical, analytical, mm-hmm. not at all creative. Same. And my inability to see creativity, see creativity within myself kept me in a box, right? It kept me in a box. It was why I was studying mathematics. It's why I chose a lot of the things that I chose. Um, I, I, I see myself, have always seen myself as being pretty smart. Intellectually, I, I feel comfortable in intellectual circles, right? And acad- doing things academically. Even with some of the failures that I had in school, I was still convinced that I was smart, but it wasn't convinced that I was particularly creative. And because I didn't see myself as being creative, I wasn't willing to try things outside of what I knew, or at least what I thought I knew that I could do. And when I allowed myself to be creative and not be good (laughs) creatively, artistically, right, with with the camera, you know, in my photography or painting, drawing, um, playing music, whatever it's been, because I've, I've always wanted to be creative, but didn't feel like I was. And I was someone who would say, I, 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 I'm such a bad drawer. I couldn't draw a straight line with a ruler. Right. And so yes. I'm reinforcing that mm-hmm. and not willing. Well, the work that I do actually is very creative. Right. I'm a writer. Um, I, before being published in the books, I wrote a column for seven years. Uh, I wrote a column on leadership, very creative. And the arguments that lawyers make, creative. So it took me just sort of reframing even the things that I was doing that were analytical and logical mathematics. There's creativity in that. There's artistry in it. And it goes the other way for people who are, say, they're very creative or artistic and not very logical or analytical. That's not true either or not good at math or not good at whatever. Right. If you will shift things, it's all interconnected and, and nothing is one way or the other. There's nothing that's just pure analytic or pure creativity, they are interconnected. And when we start to see things in that way, being interconnected, it opens up for 
the, the growth mindset and seeing things differently. And, um, and, and then that was just sort of a, a basic framework. The real shift in my life happened when I went to um, uh, Unleash the Power Within, Tony Robbins program. And the, just sort of the, again, there was a permission didn't, <laughs> Tony didn't give me the permission, but sitting in that environment for a couple of days and thinking about what it was I wanted to do and how I was going to make it happen. It just, it started with a choice. And I said, I'm going to make a choice. And the, the choice was to leave my job, mm -hmm. right? I and give myself not only permission to leave my job, but to let go of whatever I thought people might think of me, right? For how do you leave your job as a lawyer, right? How do you leave a high paying, yeah, six figure right. plus job? How do you walk, just walk away from that without a real plan? And I gave myself permission. It's like, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. And I, 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 when we get to a point where we're willing to stop letting what other people yes, think exactly. and the box that they want to put us in, um, then we can step outside of the, the box. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, sorry, go ahead, Laura. No, I think it's definitely the, the thought around that, about not not having that plan. You know, a lot we, we've discussed before, like having a plan is a better way, but sometimes life doesn't permit that. My it doesn't exit, come with a playbook, right? <laughs> my right. exit wasn't planned and very, you know, it was it was a it was a hard decision for about two seconds. Um, and it was just one of those moments where I was like, mm, no, I'm out. And, it, you know, I had a lot to consider. A family, uh, my husband, my son, house, yeah. all the stuff that you have to consider. And it flashed. It was two seconds. And I was like, ah, script, I'm out. And it, it just, it was one of those moments. It is always best to have that plan. But when you don't, yeah. then you're explaining, you know, I'm now explaining to family and to friends why I just... One, put all that pressure on my husband to now be the primary person in the house, but also, or the only one in the house working, but also why, what, what's going on that I'm having this midlife crisis? You're in a <laughs> but okay, so but the yeah. other thing is you can have a plan and the plan doesn't go right, right? That That's the other thing. So there's the, 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 having a plan, not having a plan, having a plan that doesn't work. And then what do you do? And being willing, regardless, um, you know, and learn this from Jack Canfield, it's called ready, fire, ready, fire, aim, right? Instead of ready and yeah. fire, ready, fire, aim. And you make a decision, you take an action, and then you make some adjustments. And I think I was like you, Laura, and, and maybe I always felt like I needed to have a plan, particularly oh, because plan. life plan. wasn't working. Plan well, and plan and right? plan and plan. Exactly. And you can plan yourself into doing yes. nothing for a really long yeah. time. And, and, and that's where I found myself sort of not taking action because 
I was fearful because in the past I had taken action and it didn't work out. And so, you know, so why on, bother? On like, that no, keep moving. Um, what is one lesson you learned from not taking action? So what I mean by that is, so you didn't prepare for something and take action to bring mm -hmm. it to pass. Um, so you didn't go through those steps. So you didn't take the action. What and what lessons came from that? It, you know, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned from not taking action is, is that it's okay not to take action if you're not taking action intentionally, right? If it's not fear that's keeping you from taking action, as long as I decide I'm not taking action, and, and there are times when I don't, when I need to sit, I need to think, I need to um, meditate. It, it does need a plan, right? And taking the time to sort of see the landscape and then make a decision. Does this require that I slow down long enough to put together a plan? Or can I take some action? And what can that action be regardless of whether it's super well thought out or not? Um, and just being willing to do that it has made a huge difference. Awesome. Well, thank you. It's been, it's been fantastic. The time has flown. It has. Um, it has. Um, so you've got, uh, for our listeners, you've got some great um, uh, freebies. Laura, uh, do you have those? I do. So she's offering copies of um, Vision of Wellness, The Magic of No, and love your work ebooks. So we will provide the links for those in the show notes for you to go in and grab those freebies. Um, and then um, obviously take a, a look around on our website and uh -huh. get to know her. And, and we'll drop all the links, all the links for all her social, her website, and her freebies. Um, and uh, I highly recommend connecting and, and interacting with with Whitney. Um, so Carol, next week um, with all those books. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and how many podcasts, three or four? I have okay. four currently. Yeah. We have one and we're like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but I tell you what, it is fun. Do you yeah. have fun? I love, I love it. You know, I, what you guys do is like talking about lessons, the things that you've learned. That's what I'm really passionate about. And all four of the podcasts, um, that's the, that's sort of the core, right? And the connection is tying back to every, everything we experience is an opportunity to learn and to grow. And how can you do that. And so the contexts are a little different, but the underlying message is the Love same. And I, I have an awesome guest for you uh, for Love Your Work because this girl loves oh, her work. Cool. And in fact, she's next week's guest. Her name is Sarah Vaughn. So, um, and Whitney's going to introduce next week's guest for us. Awesome. I'm going to reach out to Sarah. Um, Sarah's current passions are her vintage market, Greenhouse on Main, design consulting, and social events. Greenhouse on Main not only offers Sarah's unique, one-of-a-kind 
vintage treasures and eye for design, but she's also created a community collaborative by partnering up with many of her fellow business owners. She's a huge supporter of connecting people and creating community and providing a space for people to gather and connect. She hosts and sponsors monthly events, including a community garden called Garden Club, Children's Book Club, and workshops in collaboration with her network of amazing community partners, including Angelique and Lady Powerhouse Solutions. She's awesome. I can't can't wait to have her. And um, so our ask this week, uh, thank you for that introduction, Whitney. We always love it when our uh, current guest introduces the next guest. but our current ask right now is please subscribe on YouTube or wherever you listen to the podcast. Just make sure you're subscribed there, following, click the notification button, whatever it is. Um, and then and please invite, please invite and share so that we can grow our audience and um, provide value for the female entrepreneurs. Um, and, you know, I don't feel like it's just entrepreneurs, but anyone following their life's passion and fulfilling their life's calling, this is for you because that's what the women in, on this podcast are doing. They figured it out. It is what, what they want to do and they're doing it and they're sharing the lessons they've learned along the way to get where they are. And that's invaluable. This is in and these conversations are um, really valuable to me um, and hopefully uh, to our audience as well. So thank you again, Whitney, for spending this time with us today. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Same bat channel, same bat time. And um, we will uh, talk to you then. Everyone.